0: It wasn't until I started recording this part two that I realized how long it was going to be. So in an effort not to wear all of you out, this part two A will go till the end of my interview with Terry. And then part two B, which is a totally different file, totally different episode, will begin with my interview, the second half of the interview with Terry. Joyce, and Chris, and then what will follow afterwards is all of my analysis. Unfound is made possible by listeners' contributions at Patreon, PayPal, and YouTube. Richard Keith Call and Cassandra Lee Haley were a 20-year-old and 18-year-old from Gloucester and Grafton, Virginia, respectively. They had a college class together. On April 9, 1988, Keith and Sandra were on their first date. They went to a party in Newport News, then left sometime after midnight. Keith's car was found just hours later on the Colonial Parkway. They were never seen again. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Part 2A of Unfound's coverage of the Colonial Parkway disappearances. To start this part two, I'm going to begin where I said I would at the end of part one. I'm going to give you a short rundown on each of these murders that most people consider to be part of this colonial parkway crime spree that happened in the Virginia area in the late 1980s. It's up to you to determine whether they are all related or not. But I'm going to uh, go through each of these. Obviously, this is not a this is not comprehensive coverage. I urge all of you, if you're not familiar with any of these murders, to go look them up for yourselves. Maybe you want to get Blaine Pardo's book, The Colonial Parkway Murders. I think he covers the facts very well. I do not agree with uh, some of the things he wrote. He writes or wrote late later in the book, but as far as the coverage of the, the murders and the disappearances, I think he does a, a fine job there. Or if you just want to go to Web Sleuths, there have been, of course, a lot of TV series and shows that have covered these murders as well, the disappearance at least a little bit. So I'm not doing that here. I'm just going to read a paragraph on each of these murders, and then give you something to think about when, hopefully not if, but when you go and check each of these murders out for yourselves. So let's get started. I'm just going to go at least for the first three in chronological order. October 9th, 1986, Kathy Thomas, 27, a United States Naval Academy graduate and her girlfriend, Rebecca Dowski, 21, a senior at William & Mary, were last seen on campus. Three days later, October 12th, which is a Sunday, they were found murdered in Kathy's 1981 Honda Civic at Cheatham Annex Overlook along the Colonial Parkway. They had been strangled, their throats slashed, and the car and bodies were doused in diesel fuel. After an attempt to set it on fire, the car was pushed off a grassy parking area and rolled down an embankment toward the York River. Their murder may be a hate crime or related to Kathy's Naval Service. This write-up you can find at uh, the website colonialparkwaymurders.com. And for each of these, that's where I got the information. Just a couple things to think about regarding Kathy and Rebecca's murders. They were not sexually assaulted. And the belief is that they were they were murdered late on October 9th or early on October 10th, meaning the killer or killers somehow hid the car and the bodies for about two and a half days. Uh, they, the car with the bodies in them was found... In the afternoon slash evening of that Sunday. October 9th was, was a Thursday. October 12th was a October 9th was a Thursday. October 12th was a Sunday. And so where were where, where was the car? Where were the bodies during this time? Something uh, even in the write-up that doesn't make sense to me. It seems like the police are secure in this belief, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why would somebody burn a car and then decide to push it into the water? Does that not defeat the whole purpose of putting a car on fire, whether you try with diesel or anything else? In addition, once you light a car on fire, were they just going to let it sit there? If you look at a map, and I'm going to do a map video uh, for this part two, for all of this, Where this car would have been lit on fire was a very obvious place within feet of the Colonial Parkway. And in fact, it was in such an area that people even across the York River on the other side would have been able to see this fire. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Why light a fire in a car right next to the highway where anybody could go by and see it? In addition, if the idea was to light it, then push it into the water... You can't push a a lit car with your hands. So are you going to use your car, put put her car in neutral, and then use your car to push a flaming on-fire car into the water? Would that not, might damage your car as well. Would that not leave behind evidence? You'd think. So I have to think that it's the opposite, that they tried to push the car into the water, and when it got stuck... Lighting it on fire was the backup plan. That was unsuccessful, and that brings us to the diesel. Um, I'm not—I've never been a uh, an owner of a, a car that ran on diesel, but doesn't everybody know that diesel cannot be lit with a match? In addition, if we were to believe maybe that these were fishermen who did this, and that idea, that theory is out there— people who are around diesel a lot, would these people not have known that you can't light diesel with a match? I, I know that, and I don't know why I know that, but I've known that for a long time. These people around diesel all the time, why didn't they know that? Something to think about. There are other things that I think if you read up on these... Uh, murders, maybe some other things will jump out at you, but certainly the sequence of pushing into the water and lighting it on fire seemed to me mixed up. And then believing that people who are around Diesel might have done this doesn't make a lot of sense to me either because wouldn't those people know that Diesel can't be lit? Something to think about. As far as it being a hate crime, that is not my opinion at all, and I will get into that after the interviews play in this episode. Next, the next write-up, September 20th, 1987, David Knobling and Robin Edwards, uh, David being 20, Robin being 14, had gone out with a group of friends to a movie and arcade. After making plans to meet up later, they drove in David's Ford Ranger pickup across the James River Bridge from Newport News to the Ragged Island Wildlife Refuge to a sandy parking area to be alone. David's truck was found the next day with a radio, with the radio and wipers on. Three days later, searchers found both bodies washed up downstream along the James River. David had been shot twice, once in the shoulder and once in the head, and Robin once in the head with a small caliber weapon. My understanding when they say shot in the head, both were shot execution style. Let's just get this out of the way to start uh, regarding these two murders. David was having sex with a 14-year-old. It's talked around uh, in various places. Let's just admit what was going on here. Uh, David was cheating on his pregnant girlfriend, and Robin had been out with David's cousin earlier that evening, and when the cousin wasn't around, as is detailed in Blaine Pardo's book, David and Robin made arrangements to meet later that night, and in fact, Robin snuck out of her house To meet David. So I ask you, what are the odds that the only two people to be killed in that spot in history were a guy cheating on his pregnant girlfriend and a 14 year old girl who just hours earlier had been on a date with another guy who was David's cousin? Do the possibilities of who did this and motives not right themselves? I want you to think about that. Does it sound more likely that somebody connected to the pregnant girlfriend or a cousin or somebody? Who is more, I guess what I'm saying is who is more likely to have murdered them? Somebody connected to the pregnant girlfriend or the cousin, someone like that. Or a random rogue cop or a person pretending to be a cop or a drug dealer or somebody like that. I ask you. Think about it. And uh, what I'm going to get into later is David's uh, the driver's side window on David's truck was cracked uh, down just a few inches, had been rolled down just a few inches. Police at the time came to the conclusion this was because a police officer or a fake police officer had come up to the truck and David had rolled his window down a few inches to talk to this officer. I have a totally different opinion on that. The window was down uh, a few inches on Kathleen's car as well on her side, on the driver's side. And it was also a fact, a piece of evidence in the next murder I'm going, the murders I'm going to be talking about. Police at the time determined this was because a police officer or somebody posing to be a police officer had come up to these cars and that's why those windows were open a few inches on the driver's side. I have a totally, totally different opinion on that. I'm going to tell you about it later. In this episode, but I want you to think about that. What do you, why do you think these windows were all cracked open a few inches? Think about it. The next murder, September 5th, 1989. This is then after Keith and Sandra went missing. On Labor Day weekend, uh, September 5th, 1989, traveling companions Daniel Lauer, 21, and Anna Marie Phelps, 18, went missing as they drove in Daniel's 1972 Chevy Nova from from Amelia County to Virginia Beach, Virginia to meet Daniel's brother, Clint, and his boyfriend. Daniel's car was found abandoned at a rest stop along I-64, On October 19th, 1989, so about six weeks later, their badly decomposed bodies were found by hunters under a blanket off a logging road about a mile away. Cause of death was difficult to determine, and it appears to have nick marks from a knife on her her hand bones. Daniel was carrying $600 to $800 from painting jobs he had earned working that summer. So robbery may be a motive, meaning the money has never been found. It might have been taken when they were murdered. What you need to understand about this murder, I think, is that these two, where their car was found in this rest stop, the rest stop, at least at, the, at that time, in 1989, was a very shady area. It was known as a place where people went to do drug deals. It was a pl- place that was known uh, to be frequented by prostitutes. It was known to be a place where people went for illicit affairs, And a very horrible reputation. In addition, as is detailed once again in Blaine Pardo's book, this is an area where many people were found dead around that time, along this I-64 corridor. Why those other people who were murdered are not included in the Colonial Parkway murders is beyond me. I don't know. Maybe you can look that up for yourself. But only these two, Daniel and Anna Maria are included in this crime spree. Something you're going to see, though, going back to what I mentioned about the driver's window being down at least a few inches on both Kathleen's car and Daniel's truck. David's truck, I should say. Well, the window was also down a little bit in Daniel's car, and there was a roach clip with feathers on it, clipped to that window. Police at the time decided that the reason it was like that, clipped to the window, is because the killer was trying to taunt police. I, once again, have come to a totally different conclusion regarding that. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and I think this shows how much of the investigators' egos were getting caught up in all of this by this point. But once again, we have this window that was rolled down just a few inches, and I think the same explanation, the the same explanation I think covers all of these vehicles and why the windows, the driver's side windows were down just a little bit, and I will get into that later, but once again, I think that the police totally misread all of this, and I think I'm going to be able to offer a, a suggestion, an explanation for all of this that is much better than what investigators and private investigators and writers and authors and everybody else have offered over the years. And I'll talk about that later. But I guess what I'm also saying about these two murders is that they were in a high-crime area to start where other people had been murdered. So does it make sense to include them in some serial killer spree that was going on at the time what makes more sense to you moving on Lorianne powell laurianne powell 18 went missing on march 8, 1988 after walking down route 614 towards route 17 in gloucester county on april 2nd 1988 someone spotted her body floating in the james river she had multiple stab wounds to her back so about a, uh, a month she went missing a month before keith and sandra And then her body was discovered only six days or a week before those two disappeared. I urge you to read a more complete account of her disappearance and murder. But here's what makes sense to me. The story goes that she was with her boyfriend and they had an argument and he... he, She jumped out of the car. She was frustrated with him, angry at him. And so she jumped out of the car somewhere and he says he just let her go. And then she ends up in the James uh, River, murdered. She had stab wounds in her back. Now, I ask you, what makes more sense? That a woman who just had an argument with her boyfriend starts walking down the road and just happens to run into a killer who stabs her in the back? Or, what makes more, doesn't it make more sense that she got into a fight with her boyfriend She tried to run off. He chased her down and stabbed her in the back because he was running after her. Does that not make more sense? I think it does. And there there are no facts to support either way, but I just wonder sometimes why so many people want to buy into the less probable scenario. The more probable scenario is that she was killed by her boyfriend being he has such this, uh, this sketchy story. What do you think? And then finally, and I have an interesting story to go along with this final one, Brian Pettinger uh, disappeared December 4th, 1987, so four m- months before Keith and Sandra went missing. Uh, he disappeared December 4th, 1987, leaving a Hampton dance studio. Two months later, on February 3rd, 1988, Pettinger's body was found floating in the James River near the mouth of the Chukateek Creek that flows into the James River, and I'm going to do a diagram, a map analysis of all of these. But what's important to remember is some of these did not even happen at the York River where Keith and Sandra, or Keith's car, was last seen on the edge of it. This is the James River, which is southwest of the York River. But here's this true story regarding Brian Pettinger's murder. I first read about it. All I knew is that he was married and that on that particular night, he decided to go by himself to this dance studio party, which might have been a Christmas party. Maybe not. But he went there by himself to a dance studio party. That's all I knew. And I think I knew that his body had been found, but that's it. I knew it wasn't a disappearance. I knew he had been found murdered, but that's all I knew. And so in a conversation with Terry Joyce and Chris on Messenger, I just made the point that there's only one reason a guy goes by himself to a dance studio party. A guy who is married, there's only one reason. And given that I was in entertainment for so many years In Las Vegas, you know what? I've been to some dance parties. I had dancers who were friends. Women, men, straight, gay. uh, Worked with all types. Fine by me. But being that I know this territory, I was like, there's only one reason a a guy who is married goes to a party like that by himself. It's because he's hoping to meet somebody, man or woman. Maybe he is... uh, Mistress is going to be at the party, something like that. That is the only reason. I told this to Terry, Joyce, and Chris. They will vouch for me. It was only after, and so I decided, this surely his murder has something to do with that. It was only after that I then found out, well, guess what? He had left the party with a guy whose name is Wayne Mack. And I also found out that Wayne Mack committed suicide just a few months after... Brian's uh, remains were found in February of 1988. In addition, when Brian was found, he had been bound. And let's just say maybe it looked like he had been involved in some s and activity. I didn't know any of that, but I made the prediction just on him going to this party that that's probably what happened. I think what it shows is I have a pretty good handle on these things. You tell me a straight guy goes to a party, a dance party, where a lot of attractive people are going to be. I start thinking probably he was murdered due to somebody there. And what do I find out? He left with somebody who was there. He ends up murdered. He's found in a compromised position, how he's dressed and bound. And then the person who left with him commits suicide a few months later after Brian's remains are found. So those are the murders... The first three couples, I guess I will, uh, duos, I guess we might say, certainly. And then Laurie and Brian, maybe not as much. But those are the murderers considered to be part of this this Colonial Parkway crime spree in Virginia in the late 1980s. But I'm going to ask you something. Now that I've gone through this and explained who these people were, and what was going on in their lives? Is it not clear that pretty much all of them were killed by somebody they know, or they knew, or a group of people that they knew? I didn't get into it too much with Kathleen and Rebecca's, but Rebecca had an, an ex-boyfriend who was a a um. Well, let's just say he might not have been too pleased. that his, his girlfriend who broke up with him ended up liking women. Now, in the book, it says he has an alibi, but we uh, cover enough disappearances to know that unless you really, 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 really dig deep on alibis, alibis can be faked quite easily. And then, of course, I talked about David and Robin, what was going on with them. Talked about Daniel and Anna Maria. They were at this rest stop, surely looking for one thing and one thing only, with with cash. Laurie Powell's boyfriend has a sketchy story, kind of story we hear all the time on Unfound. The man says, the woman just took off, and I just don't know what happened. And then Brian Pettinger, cannot everybody see that all of these people were mur- murdered by people they knew well? Can we not see that? That the motives for all of these murders are about as common as they come on this earth. Angry ex-boyfriends, angry girlfriends or cousins, people feel who, who know that they're getting cheated on, uh, the motive of, um, of money, the motive of drugs... Cannot everybody see that this makes a lot all of that makes a lot more sense than a serial killer or a killer cop or fake cop or the CIA? Yes, that's come up too. or whoever else. There's a, a theory that goes along with uh, Kathleen and um, Rebecca regarding these these uh, men who fish in that area and how they have diesel and sharp knives. Does not angry ex-boyfriends and angry girlfriends and money and drugs and all of that makes make more sense than anything else? I, I, I read all of this. I read so much. I've listened to Blaine's book, and I'm so embarrassed for law enforcement at the time. They were so caught up in their egos, and I think that showed in the, the investigation into the murders of Daniel and Anna Maria. They see a roach clip. ...on a window, and automatically they think that that the murder is taunting them. There's no proof of that. Is it not more likely that something else was going on, which I will get into later... uh, ...when I start talking about theories and people who were looked at for these murders? It's obvious to me that law enforcement at the time got caught up in confirmation bias. At some point in 86 and 87 they started thinking they had a serial killer on their hands, so they viewed everything through that lens. They just could not get away with it. And in fact, in Blaine's book, you will hear or read that when it when the investigation of David and Robin's murders were being done, at least the way the book, and like I said, I have a lot of good things to say about the book, although I think it comes to the wrong conclusions. The police who were interviewed for that book never once brought up the pot that they looked into David's ex, or David's pregnant girlfriend or anybody in her family or his cousin or anybody else who might have known that David was cheating on his pregnant ex-girlfriend or not ex-girlfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, but where Robin was cheating on Uh, her on David's cousin with David. That never comes up in the book at all. All they talk about is drug dealers they spoke to and people in jail who allegedly had information that didn't check out. Not one second about people connected to David or Robin. It seems a little bizarre. Not blaming that on Blaine. That's not Blaine's fault, the author of the book. I just don't think the police did that. So, this is where we are regarding all of these uh, murders. And I want you to continue to think about that as you listen to the second half of the interviews I did with Terry, Joyce, and Chris. This is all, what I just did here is all going to be relevant later in this part two when I start to kind of connect the dots on all of this and finally get to keith and sandra's disappearance exclusively again where we can use some of this information from these murders and apply it to their disappearances and i think then it will become all very clear to you there is no summary for this part 2a or part 2b we already did that in part one but i still want to do the three questions section that i include in every unfound episode Please think about these topics as you listen to the rest of Part 2A. Number one, now that you've heard the rundown of the murders, do any of them seem similar to you? Number two, is there anything about those murders that seems similar to Keith and Sandra's disappearances? And number three, How likely do you think it is that people who knew these murder victims committed the killings? Unfound news. By the time you're hearing this, I'm in Pennsylvania hanging out with my dad until the 30th. We're going to see some of his friends. I'm going to see some of my friends. And we'll both see some other family members. It should be a good time. Next. A week from now, all of you will get to hear update episode number 13. How long is it going to be? I don't know. How many updates? Also, I don't know. All I can say is I'll be as thorough as possible. Finally, I hope all of you have a wonderful Christmas. Please make it one for the ages. And now the second half of the interview I did with Terry Haley Holman, sister of Sandra Haley. At that point, this episode will end and you will go to part two B to hear my interviews with Joyce and Chris along with my analysis. Let's move on to the rest of the investigation. And these are questions that we've talked about before, but now we're going to talk about them publicly. That area Had Cassandra or Sandra ever been to that area before? Not as far as I know. Okay. Had she ever talked, ever? Once again, I realize you have your own life to leave. You're not following your younger sister around. But anything that your parents said or any of her friends said, had she ever talked about going to the Colonial Parkway just to hang out for a picnic, go check out the historical sites, anything like that? She ever mentioned that in her 18 years of existence? No, not that I know of. Okay. Uh, had your family maybe even earlier in their life, uh, maybe back in the 1970s when she would have been very young, ever taken a day trip to go just look at all the, the different, um, everything that, you know, the history that the the United States has in that area ever done that? No, no. no. Okay. Um, you understanding. And I, I realize you grew up in, you went to tab high school as well, correct? Yes. Okay. All right. Given that you were a teenager in that area at the time, was that ever a place up there on the Colonial Parkway, whether right there where the car was found or any of those other little roads that go off to the sides? Was that ever a place that teenagers from Newport News went to make out or do other things?
1: Not Newport News, but York County kids did Mm -hmm. years and years ago. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that they
0: still do that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, other all places. I care about is 1970s into the 80s. Was that a thing? Uh, in the 70s, yes. I don't know about the 80s. But in the okay. 70s, we did. All right. So it's possible that teenagers did go up there, but you don't know anything. Of course, you graduated. You move on with your life. Yeah, as far as the 90- that,
1: that Paula did.
0: Okay. Yeah, right. I don't so, know that she
1: did, but we did. Okay. But we always went as a group. We never went alone
0: okay all right at the time once again you did not know about this but maybe uh your parents did at the time did your family connect the disappearances to the murders from the the two years before um when did did that when did that start getting done Um, as best as you can tell as best as you remember it can tell you
1: when it started getting connected yeah um when Bob Meadows took over the case but I um when was that
0: um and as you think I'll just explain this continue to think and I'll explain this to the listeners is because here in 2022 I think it is just taken kind of for granted my opinion that the, the the murders of three different people groups that were together couples that were together I don't know if we want to call them couples but humans who were together Are all connected, and then Keith and Sandra's disappearances they're all mixed in together as being one total phenomenon. And I guess what I'm trying to show here is maybe there was a a long time there where they were not connected. What would you say?
1: Well, they were trying really, really hard to not connect them because they didn't want to say serial killer, Mm -hmm. so they were doing everything they could to. not admit that they were connected, mm-hmm. okay. So they may have connected them long before they admitted it,
0: okay. And you were saying you were trying to think of this guy, Bob Meadows. Uh, can you think yeah. of what year so he might have been? He was
1: the, I believe, the second agent that took over, mm-hmm. so it was relatively early,
0: okay. And he works for the FBI,
1: the, he's retired now,
0: yeah.
1: Um, the first agent. He didn't do crap on it. He just said, we'll, we'll just sit back and wait for hunters to find them. I see. That's what he said to my face. That's nice. Um, and I said, uh, since when do they hunt the Colonial Parkway? It's yes. federal property.
0: Yeah. That's a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, I, I get you, you could say that. Um, but this uh, Bob Meadows, he was an FBI guy, person. Yeah. Okay. So he... And your opinion is that when he got involved is when it started maybe come together that all of these were connected. Yeah. Okay. All right. Would you say he got involved six months later, three months later, a year later?
1: Might have been a year later. Okay.
0: All right. So the car is found up there. And they're nowhere to be found. Of course, they're still missing. And just so everybody understands, this is uh, an area that is well out of the way from where the party was and where Sandra lived, correct? It's about 15 miles. Yeah. Right. In addition, it's not anywhere near where Keith lived either because he lived across the James River. In a totally Probably different- another
1: 15 miles. Another yeah.
0: 15 miles, right. So nowhere near uh, would not have been a, an area that would have been passed from between the party and Sandra's house. It's way, way out of the way. All right. Now, uh, being that you already spoke about the park rangers before, I'm going to get, uh, now we have an opportunity for you to tell everybody, what did these park rangers do? You found out eventually that there's this disgusting story regarding the clothes and everything regarding the car. Why don't you tell it right now? Uh,
1: come to find out that when they found the car um, sometime between 6 a.m. and 8 o'clock when they called my mom. They removed all the articles out of the car and took them with them to uh, the office to make the phone call. Instead of just taking whatever had the phone number on it with them to make the phone call, they removed all the clothing, all the shoes, everything out
0: of the car. I don't know why yeah that that's a good I question. Don't I understand that, it. yep that has been something that has brought the park Rangers into suspicion over the years for sure. uh how was this how was this eventually discovered? Did they own up to that or did it take somebody discovering that for them to have I'm to not tell the truth?
1: Sure, how Blaine came to find that out? I'm not sure if he just dis- if he explains how he found that out in his mm-hmm. book, but somehow he finds this
0: out and gets them to actually admit that they did do it. Okay. Um in in so they went there, uh they find this car there, it's unlocked and they just take the clothes out of it and then my understanding is they went and put all the clothes back. They tried to stage it back to as, as
1: close as they could to the way it was. Oh my goodness.
0: Okay uh when in all of this did you discover and this is something i'm going to talk about with uh that will be in joyce and and i'm not done their interview yet. i'll be interviewing them on uh december 9th two days from now but um when did you discover that uh keith's father had been at the scene earlier that morning when did that come up when do you think you heard about that that, that was
1: pretty quick afterwards was and that that's the strange thing is he swears that he didn't see the clothes in the car. Yeah, so we couldn't figure out, well, why in the world didn't you see the clothes? Well, now we know why he didn't see the clothes, because they, were, they weren't they were there. Mm-hmm. So, so all this time, we're thinking that the murderer brought the clothes back
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometime after Keith's dad saw the car. Right.
0: Lo and behold, though, it was a
1: stupid park ranger.
0: All right. So we have a scenario in which... The car ends up up there in the colonial parkway one way or another and then the park rangers come across the car that seemingly has been abandoned it's unlocked they take the clothes out of it for some reason and we'll get we're going to get into the specifics of the clothes and what was there wasn't there in a moment but then at some point uh keith's father comes along completely coincidentally and that'll be in the other interview and he sees that there's nothing in the car But he does leave the car there. He does know that it's Keith's because of the personalized license plate. And so he leaves. And then later, when all this gets started, suddenly the clothes are in the car again. Even though his father had just seen the car there and there were no clothes in it, just a few hours before. Yeah. That's that's how the timeline all worked out. Okay.
1: But I believe he said the keys were in the car Mm -hmm. when he saw it. So why do you take the clothes? Out of the car, but you leave the keys in it.
0: I don't know. This is uh this is something that might never be resolved. Um, I hear a lot of crazy stories covering disappearances. Two hundred seventy-five of them now. We get some stories like those. Yeah, it's just hard to explain. I, I we could go toward a uh, foul play scenario regarding the park, ranger, uh, uh, the park rangers, but we don't do theories. But it is something that wasn't very smart. That, I that... think they thought the kids were,
1: in fact, down there skinny dipping or somewhere mm. without their clothes. And we're hoping they would come back to the car and not find their clothes
0: like a prank. or something. Yeah,
1: I think yeah. is what I thought they were trying to do.
0: That's very possible. I, I like that idea a lot. It's one of a few possibilities, but it's something that has occurred to me. Sure. Sure. All right. So they go in and take that stuff and then when they find figure out that it's something more than just a prank that that just a couple kids going off into the woods or something they bring all of that stuff back and really i guess it was on the strength of keith's father saying hey you know the clothes weren't here that all got this started where they had to come and admit that um yeah we took the clothes and then we had to bring them back which is crazy okay let's talk about the clothes themselves My understanding is that there is at least one piece of clothing that is missing. Is it the pants, the shoe? What was there, what wasn't there? What is your understanding? One of her shoes is missing. It is, okay. All right, but her pants were there. Um,
1: My understanding is her pants are there, but um, Mm -hmm. Liza keeps arguing with me that none of her clothing is there, but I remember seeing her pants
0: who's lot you're going to have to tell who's who's saying The your FBI lives. agent. Okay. Yeah, please if you use any names we need to make sure who these people are. All yeah. right. So you think that one shoe is missing but there's an FBI agent who eventually is that the FBI agent that is responsible now in yes. 2022. Okay. Mm-hmm. She, her impression is that more than that is missing.
1: Yeah, she she doesn't believe she believes that all of Sanders' clothes are missing. All but, of them are. Yes. But I remember seeing Sandra's brown jeans, like they were like a khaki brownish colored jeans. I remember seeing them in the car.
0: Any, what have you, uh, is this a paperwork issue? Do you think that Liza is lying or what? No, I think she just is. Because
1: that's, that's, a,
0: that's a big difference there. You know, somebody yeah, saying there was no clothes there. Inventory. And you being there on on site and knowing you're probably at least some of your sister's clothes, uh being there, you know, on site that morning, you tend to believe that at least some of her clothes were there. I remember seeing her clothes. All right. But uh the shoe, what kind of shoe is it that's missing? It's a ankle boot.
1: What do we call them now? Booties. Is that what okay. we call them now? Yeah.
0: Okay. Right. It yeah, right.
1: just goes above her, her ankle.
0: Yeah. Okay. What, there's just one of them there. Okay. So the other one seeming uh, has not been found as far as you know. Um, mm-hmm. My understanding, any valuables missing? Was she wearing any jewelry? Was any jewelry left behind? Was she wearing a watch? Uh, any of those things? Her watch is there.
1: Huh. Um, She had on lots of jewelry, but it's not there. Her purse is there. Her wallet is gone.
0: All right. So her watch is there, but the jewelry that she would have been wearing and her, and her purse are gone.
1: The purse is there.
0: The wallet's gone. The purse is there. The wallet's gone, but this is a wallet that would have been in the purse, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Any, and
1: that's how they, her checkbook was in there. And that's how they called my mom is the checkbook was separate. And that's back when we used to put our phone numbers on our checks.
0: Yep. I remember. Right. Okay, so that is interesting. So her purse is there. The 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 um this wallet is gone. What would have been in this wallet? Credit card or did she have a credit card at 18? I don't even know, or an ATM card. She had an card? ATM
1: card, I know that. And cash and her driver's license. She probably had she may have had a credit card.
0: So yes, getting back to this idea that somebody was trying to make it look like they went into the water, it is kind of weird uh, that what did they do go into the water with uh, Did she take her wallet with her, (laughs) you know, or I mean, if we want to get maybe the park rangers didn't return it. And this is the, the big issue is that could it be these guys took it and then brought it back. Unfortunately, this is something we have to think about. But her her watch was there, and um, and like I said, we get into the stuff regarding Keith with his family. So some of these things, and we can't even say uh, that, you know, you'd, if these two did go up there, and let's say they didn't go skinny dipping, but let's say they were doing something sexual, let's say she wouldn't take her watch off to do something like that, right? No, nope. no nobody's going to do that. Would you? i don't i don't wear any watches or anything but yeah i would if uh being a straight guy yeah yeah so you know yeah yeah of course okay let's move on to this now did you when you went up and saw the interior of the car um did you happen to see these empty beer cans that were in it did you see those did they allow you to get that close oh i walked right up and looked in but i don't remember seeing the beer cans no Okay. Was Sandra a beer drinker? Yes. She was. All right. Yes. So maybe that's, that's not that uh, crazy. Anything else, uh, given that you were there right there, right? You, uh, hours later, anything else that, of course, we've talked about the clothes and we talked about clothes missing. Anything else that strikes you as odd about anything that you noticed that morning? Sorry, so park ranger yeah besides the park rangers yes <laughs> besides anything that yeah, yeah yeah i guess Yeah, i i know we, uh you i know. guess what um you're, i guess what uh the audience should know is you had an um there have been some suspicions uh cast upon at least one of the park rangers there right
1: yeah he was really strange but okay evidently okay. they they have uh checked him up and down so mm, right um just uh, the time wasted it's just time wasted on the two days dragging the river and mm-hmm. not listening but it, it's wasted time and resources where i knew she was not
0: you did not believe, once again, what you're meaning is you don't believe that Keith and Sandra were ever anywhere near where the car was found. That is your belief. No. Nope. Okay. Nope. okay. And
1: we searched it. We, we spent many, many days walking through those woods and those swamps just to prove that they weren't there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We did it before the FBI did it.
0: Let's move on to this. When did you first hear, and I'm, this is, a, once again, something that is in the other interview I'm going to do with Chris and Joyce. When did you first hear about Chris's story about coming home uh, the night before and him being on the Colonial Parkway and this truck following him and doing a U-turn? And when did you first hear about that story? And what is your what is your and your family's opinion about it all these years later? When did you first hear about it?
1: I, I think I heard it within the first few days. Um, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? Go away. (laughs) Um, my dog. Uh Um, I mean, we we looked for that van. Yeah, I mean, we 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 followed every single thing
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that people came up with, and I had a very good friend that was still on Newport News at the time, and anything I needed looked at, I sent to him. He helped me run it to the ground. I mean we we spent hours and hours and hours running things to the ground. We traipsed through Ragged Island following leads. Oh I mean, we mm-hmm. there was yeah. nothing that we wouldn't look at.
0: Right. So what you're saying is you found out even though you're not sure about the interaction between your family and Keith's family, your recollection is that you heard about this story about him seeing this truck on the parkway fairly early within the first week. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, are you inclined to believe that the car that he saw on the parkway that night, the one that where it was open and it's like the dome lighting on, are you inclined to believe that that was Keith's car? You, is that oh, what yeah. you feel, feel about it now? Oh yeah. Okay. Very good. We already talked about this time discrepancy. I'm uh, not sure when they left this party. All we know is that seemingly, um, that uh, Sandra was supposed to be home by 2 a.m. Any, you know, any insight into why there is this wide range of opinion? Once again, just looking for an opinion here, here of the wide range of opinions. Well, they left at 11:30 or 12:30 or 1:30. Any idea why that is? You've had a chance to think about it. Any. Uh, probably because it was a heavy alcohol use at the party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. If that's what you, that's, if that's, if that's the answer, then uh, that's the answer. That would
1: be my guess.
0: Okay. I mean, um, they're
1: say, Most people are saying they didn't even get there till 1130 or 12. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't have left
0: at that time. Right. I agree with you. I agree with you. And we also have to be clear on this. When you saw Keith and Sandra earlier that evening, what time would that have been? It's like seven o'clock or something, right?
1: Um, Yeah, I believe it was dark.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Wish April. I could ask
0: Max. I can't ask him. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, in April, did we turn the clocks back or forward at that time? Maybe it's six o'clock or something. I guess you were you were going there to take your parents out to dinner, right? That's what you said? Yeah. So you wouldn't yeah. show up at their house at like 9 o'clock to take them out to dinner, right? No, no. Oh, heck All right. no. So I guess what we're saying is you probably showed up at 6, 6.30. They're there at 6.30, meaning maybe they're going to a movie that starts at
1: 7.30. And Sandra had worked that day, so okay. she probably didn't get off work till 5 or 6. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was probably that late
0: okay so then we still have this uh kind of time maybe they went to dinner somewhere and we just don't know about it it's just never something that's been that's popped up maybe they went to dinner and then went to a late show they went to like a nine o'clock movie and then after that went to the party i guess that's possible right yeah Possible. okay so we just have this huge discrepancy uh i have uh given you know my opinion on it it certainly could be alcohol related it also could be that given that there were different parties going on, it very well could have been that they left that party and went to some other apartment then came back and people didn't see them come back. So that's when people thought they left for the night. That's another possibility because there were more parties going on than just at this one apartment. Right. That's another possibility. Okay. I would do want to come back to... Uh, to the entire idea of the colonial parkway murders and I mean it's even now it even has its own Wikipedia page. Um what did you think are you went- kidding me? No, no it's no the colonial parkway it Park really murder- does? No it really does yeah it really does. Um I'm sorry you didn't know that I'm sorry to say <laughs> I did not know that. No it does. Um what did you think when you heard about the murders that occurred in 1989? Once again, did you were you in aware that they occurred a year later? I did. Okay, and what did I you did. what did you and your family think? So by that time surely you know about the murders that occurred before, what did you think oh, about yeah. the one after?
1: That one I I didn't feel like was related.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's um several things about it that make me feel it's not related Mm -hmm. um the covering them up shows remorse so to me Mm -hmm. the others didn't show any remorse so i don't i don't think so okay i really think it was their friend that did it to take their money
0: yeah this is a as some people have stated, maybe a drug deal gone bad. I don't yeah. know that for a fact, I'm not an expert on them but I have read that from people who seemingly know more about it than I do. Okay yeah, so you heard about that uh, that in 1989. so maybe you were a little more hyper aware given that Sandra and Keith went missing that you were um, maybe oh, more yeah. hyper aware to other things that were going on.
1: Uh, yeah, there. I mean, there was uh, a couple in Richmond that disappeared too, but they didn't want to seem to connect that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like,
1: why are you not connecting that one? It's not that far away.
0: Mm-hmm. When you finally did find out about the murders that took place in 86 and 87, was your personal knee-jerk reaction that they are were related? Of course, now you have all these years to think about it. But at the time, did you think that the murders of uh, the two women and then the guy with the underage girl did you automatically think those were related or were you like once you once again once you found out about them your impression
1: I want to say they're related because I would hate to think that we have four different people out here killing couples
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: I would hate to think that so I want to say they're related just for that reason okay. but there's things about them that don't fit and there are things that do fit okay but yeah i'd hate to
0: think that there's four different people doing this yeah have you or your family ever been presented with any scientific evidence that any of them are connected? not just all four but any particular two incidents from those years anything no dna fingerprints video anything nothing nothing they're found in the river and then in 89 uh, it was this, uh, the the guy, uh, man and woman up there north of the Colonial Parkway. And they yeah, were going intent. to Virginia Beach or something. And their cars found going the totally opposite direction. Right. Correct? All right. right. So we have a lot of different demographics there. Certainly couples, all, you know, two women. And then the other ones are male and female together. But certainly different circumstances. And in fact, uh, they're really, except for Cassandra, and, and the Keith's car being close to the stabbing of the women, they're really, all of them are pretty spread out. That's, mm-hmm. I've never been, I've been to the area, but I didn't live there. It, it, it's it's pretty, pretty spread out. Pretty spread out. Okay. Let's move back to this being that, uh, we talked about him early in the conversation. He was at the party, um, to remind everybody that Terry Kirby's, uh, Sandra's, I guess, ex-boyfriend. Um, do we have any idea why the two were not a couple at the time of Sandra's disappearance? Was it because of course, couples break up, you know, one goes to college, the other one's still in high school. Do we think it was some of that information, some reason due to that or something else? I
1: have no idea. Okay.
0: I never asked him. Okay. And being that you really didn't know Terry, but you said you went to parties at their house uh, with uh, older, he had older siblings, older brothers. Did any of them ever offer any condolences after Sandra went missing, given that Terry and Sandra were a thing in high school? Um, do you, do any, any, not any? really. Okay. Um, did any of them take part in any of the searches? You talked about all these searches that you did and everything. Did any of them ever take part in any of the searches? No. Okay. Do you Did the police talk to him about, uh, you were at the party that night with your buddies. You're talking to Sandra. Did, do you know any of the, what the conversations that Sandra and Terry with his friends had that night at the party? Any any idea regarding any of that? I know they spoke to him, but I don't know what was said. Okay. Um, do you know, has law enforcement never told your family his alibi or any of his friends' alibis for those hours that night approximately between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m.? I don't know. Okay. Did, um, has your family ever just back then ever tried to talk to Terry or any of those friends, just one-on-one being that, of course, your mother, everybody knows the family has anybody in your family at the time, just one-on-one get the police out of it. Hey, can you tell us what went on that, that night before Keith and Sandra left any anything like that ever done? No, he was being very protected. He was by who?
1: Um, most everyone. Um, it was. You know, college draft time, it was, you know, then it was major league draft time. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: most everyone was protecting him, um, my parents best friends at the time lived across the street were Terry's adoptive parents. Wow. So they were very very protective of Terry and
0: Mhm. And um
1: Very supportive of my parents also, Mm -hmm. but kept Terry at a distance. Okay. So even if my parents wanted to talk to him, they Mm -hmm. would have kept him away. Okay. So Mm -hmm. my mom's wanted to talk to him several times
0: and just hasn't okay. I I didn't know that his adoptive parents lived across the street, and so, um, so did he grow up across the street or or, he didn't?
1: Yeah, he Bob and Nelda just kept him, you know, took him under his wing, their wing, and Bob was a football coach at the school,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and um got him where he is today
0: yeah
1: right okay um, they're both dead
0: now okay
1: so um
0: so are you saying i just have to ask this so are you saying after this all happened and of course you find out that terry and his buddies were at the party your parents made an up, op- uh, uh, made an attempt to speak to terry knowing his adoptive parents lived across the street and the adoptive parents would not allow them to talk to Terry? Is that how you would portray it?
1: Kind of, sort of. Mm -hmm. I think my mom felt like Terry knew more than what happened at the party Mm -hmm. and they would say, we don't want him involved in this right now. He's got to concentrate on his career right now. Okay, let's not let's not involve him in this right now. Okay.
0: Now everybody should know that although I've not seen any paperwork, and if anybody has paperwork regarding this, I would love to see it. Uh, I I always keep an open mind on all these things. Uh, As you will read several places, including the book uh, that was written uh, regarding from about five years ago. Uh, regarding the Colonial Parkway murders is the the police say that Terry and his friends have been cleared. I don't know what that means, though. Um, is it somebody giving them an alibi that they were at the party until 10 in the morning? If that is true, I'm certainly willing to, to take a look at it. The, the issue, of course, even with Keith and Sandra's, we don't even know when they left. So how could anybody offer an alibi for anybody if we don't even know when Keith and Sandra left the party? But I think where we stand here in 2022 is that the police, their their public standpoint is that uh, Terry and all of his friends who were at this party um, were cleared regarding the disappearances of Keith and Sandra. And I just want everybody to know that uh, I would just like to see the paperwork and everything, you know, from my own uh, knowledge. Okay. I need to ask you something else. We'll go uh, take, it, make, take a look at this another way. In growing up in the Newport News area, and there are stories out there like this, have you ever heard heard any stories about fake police officers, meaning pulling over um people and harassing them and you know, this usually happens with women. Uh women get pulled over and you do this to me or I'm going to give you a ticket and it's really not a police officer. Have you heard stories yep. like that? Yeah. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Okay. Um... Please. Uh,
1: while i was um a federal police officer there was one in the area of Cheetah Mannix. Mm-hmm.
0: and where- He drove
1: a an old um caprice i think and uh, uh yeah yeah they were looking for him for a long time
0: okay where is that in I just for everybody who Cheetah doesn't Mannix,
1: it's yeah. um Between Newport News and Williamsburg. Okay. So it's um, you can get to it off the Colonial Parkway.
0: Okay. Uh, Any allegations that this uh, this guy eventually got caught? I don't know if they ever caught the person. Okay. And what was the modus operandi of this person? He would pull people over or women over, and what was a lot?
1: I know that he attempted to pull people over and a lot of people didn't stop okay and they would get home and call and say that this person tried to stop them and they they just didn't stop
0: okay now also um we know about this um security guy this private investigator liberty security guy any uh, mm. i want to give you an opportunity to offer your opinion on all of that because it seems maybe coincidentally or not that he does have a connection to some of these people who were murdered or who went missing. What have, uh, what have you thought about that over the years? Oh, the wrong little. Yes, please. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: I I think he's just wacko. Okay. Yeah. I, I think he, uh, I think, He may have committed some murders in the area. Wow. Okay. But I don't think it's... I don't think it was ours. Okay. I think it... There may be some on the other side of the bridge that he did do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, he's where he belongs now, rotting
0: in hell, so... (laughs) Right. And who was the, he was the guy, he was the guy that was, went back to New Zealand. He got deported. Yeah, he did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to be talking a little bit more about him just on my own. After all these interviews are over for this episode, I will give you the, the, everybody some insight into all of that. Uh, Yeah, he's a strange bird. uh, Certainly so. Uh, certainly yeah. so. And we're going to pick out some of the statements that's a long letter that he wrote, and I'm going to pick out a couple parts of it so I can show the <laughs> listeners. Um, I'm not going to certainly read the whole thing because that would take an hour. But <laughs> but I think well, there are certainly some things that he said uh, that need to be thought about. I'm just going to read this question to you that's on the outline. Has law enforcement ever given you an idea if they think the disappearances are connected to the unsolved murders?
1: Um, they go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I really okay. don't know. All right. What would I, you, think I think guess what know. I'm
0: asking you, of course, there have been books written about this. There's a Wikipedia page and everybody, it seems, in my opinion, having done this for six years, that everybody is trying to put it all together, you know. These, are of course, um, people who are not in law enforcement. These are people who are reporters like myself or whoever else, but these are not people in law enforcement. Is it your opinion in the 21st century that law enforcement at this time sees them all as connected or something else? Your opinion? What uh, your I know impression? that
1: she, the FBI agent, was yes. Okay. And up until a year ago, I was constantly battling her Mm. to stop trying to shove this square peg in this round hole, trying to connect ours with the first one. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the fact that I finally got across to her was the watches. I said, Liza, if you go up there to have sex, are you going to take your watch off? Do you take your watch off to have sex? That's the last damn thing I'm thinking about. I'm not going to take my watch off. Right. And it was a couple days later, she called me back and she said, you know, you're right. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm not going to take my watch off. I said, they didn't. They didn't go up there. They didn't take their watches off. Somebody made them take their watch off. Somebody made them take their clothes off. Somebody made it look like they went up there to go swimming. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's all a plant. That's not what that was. Mm -hmm. You need to look at this as something separate. It's something totally different than your first one. They're not connected. Okay. So she started to look at it differently, but... (laughs)
0: We're not getting anywhere. Okay. Do you, uh, we just talked about this uh, not so long ago, but do you share the suspicion of the park rangers that Keith's family does? Uh, I think it's a strong possibility,
1: but where would he have come across them? Not on the parkway.
0: Right. I agree with you. They certainly might've acted horribly and illegally and everything, but... If we're to believe that they really did get abducted down in the Newport News area, how did that all? How did that all get put together? It sounds fairly complex.
1: Yeah, whatever happened was between Warwick Boulevard and my mom and dad's house. Okay. What has been the last? I'm not. I'm not against it being a police officer (laughs) or. Somebody pretending to be a police officer.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, I think what you're saying here is there's no way you believe that Keith and Sandra, even though you didn't know Keith at all. But, you know, you've learned enough about him since that the two of them would have gone up to the park, uh, the Colonial Parkway area at all. No way. I don't think so. Okay.
1: Okay. And- I mean, th- there are places right there that they could have gone parking if that's what they wanted to do. There's Lions Bridge. There's the Nature Museum. There's there's places right there. They didn't have to go past my parents' house to go parking. Mm-hmm. There's dark streets off of Showalter Road on the way to my mom and dad's house
0: they could have gone
1: they did not have to go past my parents house to go to the parkway
0: 15 miles away right right and he, so, even so maybe keith wasn't familiar with the area but sandra was and so she right. might not have been driving but if they get together on this and this is what they want to do she could be the one to say, you know i know this area over here right right okay i agree with you um i agree with you okay let's move on to this what has been the lasting effect of sandra's disappearance on your family my parents will
1: never be the same um i will never be the same um i i look at the world completely different Everybody is, um, everybody's a murderer. Yeah. Um, I, I raised my children that everybody's a bad man. Absolutely. Everybody's a bad man. And I feel bad that I did that, but I didn't want to live what my mom's living, what I'm living. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I just, I hate people, but I hated people before, you know, the job made me hate people
0: in law enforcement. <laughs>
1: but, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, it, today's world has made me even more so, but mm-hmm. uh, this world's just awful. It's awful. And whoever did this, um, I hate to tell you what I, I wish on you.
0: What of Sandra's, uh, of course, uh, I'm sure you've gotten to talk to many of them over the years. Have they ever offered up their own theories on what happened to Sandra and Keith? Whether that was somebody was at the party or not or else, what have they said about people who maybe technically knew Sandra Betty that better than anybody in her family I would even say that about myself my friends probably know me better than my father does what have they said any opinions that they've offered over the years anything nobody has hmm. okay nobody has any insight into that why I don't know because usually know. people, people don't love talk offering about opinions.
1: it I don't know if people don't talk about it because they don't know how we're going to react or. Or or they just don't know what to say to us. I don't know. I mean, most people Mm -hmm. don't know somebody that. That's still that their friend, their family member still missing. It's true. So Mm -hmm. they don't know what to say. So I really don't hear from Sandra's friends very often um even Susan I I rarely hear from her Mm
0: -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. I I mean maybe just back even once again I realize uh, back at the time of course you were there very early on you saw the car but even those weeks after do you remember any of her friends coming forward once again whether the party or not saying you know what this might have happened that might have happened here's what's going on even back at the time anybody offer up any ideas because usually once again my experience is friends usually love to offer up theories and give tips and anything like that anything like that that you remember i don't remember anybody saying anything okay
1: all right Uh, I know. Now that I think about it, it, it's it's
0: weird that everybody just kind of went. My experience is uh, I agree with you that usually friends are very vocal. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of times what they say is not helpful, but I'm willing to listen. You know, uh, I think families are always willing to listen if their daughter, son, Jane Doe, John Smith goes missing and some friends come forward. You know, I heard this. I heard that. Not sure what to make of it, but we'll certainly certainly listen. But what you're saying is your recollection is you don't remember any of that.
1: Well, she didn't have a lot of true friends because of her relationship with Terry. I see. Yeah. How was that? Even, you know, back then and where we lived, you could count how many Black families lived in that area on one hand. Mm-hmm. So her relationship with Terry was still kind of not a
0: not kind of taboo.
1: Yeah, it was. And okay. she lost a lot of friends over it.
0: I see. Huh.
1: Until he made Gatorade player of the year and looked like he was going to go somewhere. And then people started wanting to be your friend. But she figured it out that, oh, you don't want to be my friend. You just want to be. Perry's friend. Huh? Okay. So she didn't really have a lot of true friends.
0: Okay. That's sad. Even though she was a cheerleader and popular and everything else. Your opinion is that these, of course she went on to college. People go their different directions and um, they just could never offer up anything helpful. Any insider? No. Um, Her friend, Amy, the girl smokes so much weed (laughs)
1: that she doesn't even remember high school. I tried calling her to get information and she doesn't even remember high school at all. Her parents had to send her away to private school. Yeah. And I was like, why was my parents letting her hang around this girl? I'm mm-hmm. uh, just Okay. okay. And I, I, so, I mean, most of her friends are not helpful. Because they're all brain dead.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, the way you look at it uh, between uh, Keith and Sandra, the way you understand your sister and what you think you know about Keith. Um good match. Was he like her type or not? Or what would you say? What What would you
1: say? I would have said that he
0: was probably a
1: little too clean cut for her. Okay. Yeah, yeah. just some of the things that I'm hearing from the FBI. She has read me a few statements from these people and and I'm not sure how to take some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um people coming out of the woodwork to give their statements and I'm like, you know, really are you gonna buy this? They want their five minutes of fame.
0: A lot of people do, I agree with you.
1: Um she said, well, I have to take their statement. They they said they they knew her and they did this. Um And what
0: and what are some of those statements? Uh you know, you don't have to pick the worst ones, but what what are some of these statements that you've heard? That, that- um,
1: like some kid from from Bethel High School that Paul that Sandra took him out to the Parkway to this really dark, scary road um,
0: uh-huh.
1: to get him to get out of the the car and go have sex in this really dark spot on the Parkway. Yeah, and I'm like. <sighs> First of all, Susan swears they never went out there because she was afraid of all the dark roads and now you have this kid coming up here saying that he purposely took her out there. Yeah. Which one are you going to believe? Right, I agree. best friend that says they never went out there or this kid that says they did? Yep. Yeah. So now Liza's Banking on this kid that says they did
0: yeah it's crazy especially all so, these years la- especially all these years later
1: yeah I I just I'm like I don't but Terry says they never went out there could be in all the years that they were together so
0: mm-hmm. could be You know, what complicates all of this is that we do know about at least the the murders of the couple uh, just a couple years before that. And it very well could be that somebody was making this look like some sort of copycat because they knew about the murders from 86. Well, you know what? If I do this, you know, whatever happened. But if I go put the car back up there on the parkway, then they're going to think whoever killed the women in 1986 also caused the disappearances of Keith and sandra in 88 yeah it's very very possible very possible sure
1: okay but she insists that this is too sophisticated for teenagers that they didn't leave anything behind no dna no nothing left behind too sophisticated
0: i don't know i i I've, uh, I've covered quite a few disappearances that are sophisticated that certainly are still unsolved, uh, that, you know, and this maybe just is, sh- uh, maybe proof that this particular FBI agent doesn't know about enough about disappearances, is what I would say, uh, given this is all that I do. Um, you know, people like to get away with crimes and, and, uh, if you have anybody, can look at the closure rate or the solve rate of murders in the United States in 2022. A lot of people are getting away with murders and they're not that sophisticated. Yeah. So you don't have to be sophisticated to get away with
1: it. Do it on federal property because they're not that smart.
0: and and bringing in a multi-jurisdictional issue certainly doesn't help which yeah. is something which is something that i've uh, discussed yeah. before mainly between states somebody lives in one state the car is found in another state and uh, who is going to be responsible for it and, and it's just is like a hot potato they play hot potato i don't want it you take it right. uh,
1: just just have it multi
0: county yeah right
1: and it's a cluster
0: yeah Terry, any final words before we complete this interview?
1: No, I just, uh, it's just all disappointing. Very disappointing. Yeah. That we're 35 years into this and we don't know any more today than we do 35 years ago.
0: Yeah. It's, I'm trying to change. That trying to change that uh, of course there's a lot of things we can't say in this interview because it's speculation and everything but I think be- uh, the the group chat that we've been in between me and you and um, Joyce and Chris is you know I've been looking to some of these things behind the scenes and you know people will say that well anything's possible and really that's not the situation actually there are only a few things that are possible uh, people that say that well there anything's possible uh, just don't know disappearances that well. Really, it's just you just have a few choices here. So, um, and I've tried to rule out things, looking at news articles, all sorts of things, and I um, have tried to give you the the best information I can. Once again, from my experience, two hundred seventy five disappearances, so looking at them and looking, you know, research them and reporting on them and interviewing everybody, and uh, I will continue to do that for you. I, I promise you
1: promise
0: okay and i appreciate you being on this episode of unfound well thank you you're welcome and that ends part 2a of unfound's coverage of the colonial parkway disappearances please now go to part 2b which is now available on your podcast application it begins with the second half of the interview with joyce and chris that is then followed by my analysis